0: Welcome to Down the Alley. This is PMac, TS,
1: and Katie.
2: How is she going today? It's a it's another good day. Weeding um, into on break here, um, and it's always weird, sort of having days off. You know, as a, as business owners yeah. and coaches, it's kind of a twenty four seven job. Um, there's kind of always something. You may not be working, but you're thinking about it. Yep. Um,
1: For me, it takes three days. Like the first first day is like i'm getting all the stuff done that i want to get done the second day is like this is weird things are done i don't have to go back to work and then the third day is really when i like start to really like kind of disconnect how it is i'm
2: going to a colder place yeah i'm You're north. going north yeah. i'm going north They're Nor- going north pole no just about um so speaking of vacations And just, you know, obviously we have the holidays coming up. A lot of people do take vacation time. I know when, when I was in corporate America, it was very typical that like businesses would just, it's not necessarily an official holiday, but they were pretty flexible on like, Hey, take the days between Christmas and like work up until Christmas Eve and then come back after new year's day kind of thing. Um, Just because. Nothing like not a lot done. gets done and a lot of people do take vacation, right. So it was always a good time, like kind of end of the year to um, assuming you're not in like retail or whatever, where that's like, yeah. your, that is yeah. your big time of year. But it, it is kind of an excuse and a, a time where we can really focus on like, you know, advocating for ourselves on like, we, we do put a lot of work in throughout the year and being able to take time off. Um, and I know personally, I felt really guilty about taking vacation time yeah. um, when when I first, or when you know when we first started. I don't know if you felt guilty, but or, or whatever. It was but, just weird. Like it was but, just
1: we it, felt like there's and still feel like there's I'm missing out on something. I'm not doing something. I'm not being productive. And
2: I know that like when we first opened the facility, it was like we were gonna have a like a modified schedule, like. Maybe we wouldn't have the full week of training, but we'd have a couple days here and there, like make sure people could get in. Um, And and I think that was good. But at the same time, you know, it burned us out. And I think it it turned more into like, like drop our kid off because they need something to do rather than we're here to get training and be focused on that. So we've kind of made the adjustment to be like, you know, we're all in during the weeks that we're training, but, you know, we are going to take time off and, and and not have just these random sessions. Like we kind of want to stay engaged and focused. And, um, and I, again, I don't know if that's the right answer, or the wrong answer, but. Uh, I think it
1: works. I think it's, we've found that it works better than trying to keep some sort of schedule on and kind of those scheduled breaks, I think really.
2: Yeah. And, and help. I, so I was browsing, I don't know if it was like, it was it must have been like linkedin or Mm. ESPN. i was some sort of article about coaching or sports popped up and it was about like the the title was like coaches need rest too yeah and i think there's a lot of focus and a lot of um you know just talk right now about athletes burning out Mm. and they're doing too much they need their rest and it this kind of said it kind of gave a glimpse about i think it was probably more for like a college or professional coach that are are playing games kind of regularly throughout the year, yeah. and um, it may have actually been a, a junior hockey, like oh. a junior hockey model. Yeah. So, like again, you know they're playing their eighty games, like very yeah. much like an NHL schedule, getting paid a lot less. Um, and it said like if you have a the kind of the um, the point or the the argument in the article was about eliminating the morning skate on Saturday if you're playing a back-to-back like Friday, Saturday. Mm. Okay. And because they said, you you know, you travel, you get in, you play your your game on Friday night and you're like, let's say it's a seven o'clock game. Yeah, the game gets done at 10. You're you you're not in your hotel room until midnight right. yeah. or 11 or whatever. And then if you have a morning skate at, let's just even say 10 a.m., like the coach is getting back at midnight, has to plan and prepare for a morning skate and yep. it, it maybe is up two more hours right. watching film. What are we going to work on? What do we need to do? And then now they're only getting, you know, maybe they're up then at eight to get ready to go. And so now they're only getting their four or five hours of sleep kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then they, then they're kind of prepping for the game. Whereas a player might go home and take a nap or back to the hotel room sure, and take sure, a nap. Sure, right. And it's like, coaches aren't doing that. So they're like always constantly working. And the, I guess the argument in the article was like, why not just eliminate the morning skate on the second day and just come in, you play your game, coach could sleep till 10, 11 o'clock yeah. and then be ready at, let's say at noon, they're prepping and getting right. ready for that that five or six o'clock game. Right. Um, and it just was saying how people don't see it because the coaches aren't necessarily out there every day. Like they're, they're not the focus, right. but like they're... They're taxing their mind and bodies just as much, like in, in a different way. And like the lack of sleep, it can really affect them. Uh, and I just thought it was interesting because, you know, we, I know I've had people say to me because they don't understand the business, they don't understand what we do, like, oh, all you guys do is work from six to nine PM. Like, that's all, right. like, or like, what do you do all day? You get to sleep until. 2 PM if you want to. Yeah. And I, I can understand where that comes from mm-hmm. because like our on field hours for most right. of the year are like evenings and weekends when like kids are out of school. Yeah. Right. But there's a lot of stuff that has to happen. Plus we, you know, we have families, we have other things. We have a, we have a life to live too yeah. that we're doing during the day. So it's kind of flip flopped. And when you just, I felt like when we first, started this place it was like try to squeeze every last ounce like we got to prove that right there's like they're going to get more for their money and right. blah 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 and then when you actually look at it like even by taking two weeks off they're still getting way more oh, than yeah. any other place yeah. yeah and it's like would you rather have <clears throat> a lot of sessions that uh, uh, with a burnt out coach who's not engaged and is exhausted or hey you get Less a couple sessions. weeks off we all get a couple weeks off yeah put the stick down like clear our head, get some rest and come back in January, you know, January 2nd or 5th or whatever we are. And like, we're, we're back to like optimizing our time here. Right. Yeah. And right. so, uh, I don't know what you guys, just, I know it's kind of a long yeah. story. Yeah, but- no,
0: I, I, I think those are some good points. You know, my thoughts on that would be, you know, one, you know, you talked about, about burnout and that's a big topic out there. You know, people are like, you're on one side or the other forcing time off. This is basically what we're doing. Like two weeks, you know, winter break, go travel, go be with your family, go play pond hockey with your friends, go do something that's not lacrosse for two weeks. I, you know, hopefully people realize what we're doing with that. And they're like, okay, like we're trying to avoid burning kids out, but also giving them, you know, a lot of opportunity Mm -hmm. and coach wise too. um, You know, maybe we're on the field from six to, you know, 6 PM to 9 PM, but you know, when you're in the field coaching, it's a very emotional and, um, you know, energy, you know, draining. Yeah. Couple of hours. Yep. You know, we're on our feet, we're yelling, we're screaming, we're motivating, we're buzzing around the field. You know, after three hours of work, I am completely drained. Yep. And that's after, you know, maybe we're in here for the, you know, in the office in the afternoon planning podcasting uh, podcasting of course and yeah. you know because that's all that we do all day yeah. we just podcast <laughs> and we just Talk. roll into coaching yeah. but no like the planning prepping. and prepping and you know lining up coaches and planning camps and yada in practice plan- like there's a lot more that goes into those that leads up to the three hours that we're on the field yeah, exactly and just
1: the, I was actually just telling this to I think one of my massage therapists because I've been working on my foot yeah, And I was telling him and he was kind of telling me like, oh, like we we're talking about what I do. And I was like, oh, you know, I'm I'm on standing for a long period of time on turf. And he was kind of telling me about like shoes I should wear and such. And yeah. and I was telling him like, yeah, it's part of our job is taking care of our bodies and like making sure our bodies are functioning. Yeah. And rest is now kind of inching its way towards the top of the the health and wellness world list of yeah. things of like, that's going to age you more if you don't get rest. It's kind of, it's starting to be kind of the top thing with stress of that, that kind of kills us faster. We're starting to be like morbid, <laughs> but they're like saying yeah. that sleep now is like trumping like good nutrition and exercise even. So it's like, that's what's going to be crucial for us to, to like let our bodies heal and stuff and it's like standing you know it's better than sitting but we're also making sure that like we're moving our bodies so that we can sustain three hours on the field
2: yeah and, and i know for me personally again i don't want to speak for you guys but i, I assume it's the same you know i i want every training session that I do to be perfect. I am a perfectionist and like, I want it to be the best training session that a kid has ever been in and a parent has ever watched. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not always that way. Like I have my days where I'm like, you know what that, you know, maybe it wasn't the some are better than others, but it's not just like go out on the field. And I have this practice plan of eight drills that we're going to run and then we just do them. Yeah. And I just operate that. It's like, it's an art form, at Mm -hmm. least to me, it's my art and it's my art form. And I'm like, I have a way in my head that I've seen that drill play out and what I want to see from the kids. Mm -hmm. So that, so, so when I'm out there and we're in that 10 minute drill, I'm constantly changing and adjusting and, and I'm, I'm correcting players, you know, form and that kind of stuff. But even, like it's it's like that that feedback loop in my own mind yeah. of like like i i that isn't the way that I saw it playing out, so I have to adjust how things are happening so like again, it's not just like set up cones, tell them what to do, and then hit play and watch yeah it it's a it's an it's a full on engagement mentally
1: mm-hmm.
2: and and then obviously with the stuff about like how your hands are out yeah. and like you're moving around and and so it's it is like if you don't like if you're going to offer those sessions you know it's like i want them to be sessions that are going that, that have a chance of being great
0: yeah and you know like you said you have a base of a drill and i always and you do too hopefully you get through you know two to three tweaks or or adjustments yeah. or progressions yeah. of that drill and you know you want the engagement and the and the talking and the energy high so, you know, maybe they come out to, you know, one of your drills and they and they start flat. Like, all right, we got to either adjust this drill, yell at them a little bit, you know, get them going a little bit or or you might have to scrap the drill and be like, "Okay, th- this isn't working today. It's Tuesday. Tuesday sucks. All right, we gotta. We need a different drill. You know, <laughs> yeah, so it's exactly, like you're yeah. always you're always moving, you're grooving, you're adjusting, you're tweaking. Yeah, I, or I, I agree. Or adjusting
1: it to make it work, like adding a line, adding a net, adding right. A, right. Yeah.
2: So yeah, exactly. no, I know i, no, I have
0: beating a dead horse at this right. point, but no, I but that's okay. yeah, I agree with you. 100%. It's maybe beating
1: a dead horse to us, but like some people might not understand like how we do that in a drill.
0: Yeah. And, and maybe we could do an episode on that. I yeah. don't know I mean, yeah. if,
2: if that's interesting.
0: The to people. art
1: form of a coach, and
2: and that's again that's that's us or me personally. Yeah. You yeah. know, there may be coaches that are just like, "Hey, here's the plan, and we're going to stick to it, it. Right. and you know, whatever, whatever." Yeah. And what I don't again, there's I don't think there's any there's any one way to do anything. Correct. And and but there
1: is one way to rest. And that is not scheduling things, and, and, and
2: that's the thing. And and I think we, as a business, are sensitive to people are paying money to be here. Yeah. They're they're expecting you know a, a service that we've promised, and there's a there's a level of commitment that we need to have. But there is a line where mm-hmm. we're we're over. I guess we're over not overstepping, but um, maybe we're putting ourselves in a bad position where we may give them a couple extra things, but it's going to severely impact the quality in the future. Yeah. If yeah. we don't schedule that rest because yes. Right.
0: And, it, and it's not like it's March 15th and we're like, Hey, uh, March 22nd through 29, we're not going to have anything. Yeah. You yes. know, it's, so
2: good luck in your high school yeah, season. Yeah.
0: yeah, It's not like we're doing that. It's like, yeah. this is a perfect time to put your stick away, put it away, put, hide it for a couple of weeks. We'll have three months where we'll grind it out. And get you ready for your Christmas. Yeah, high and we're also season. not
1: saying hide it from July through the following March. Correct. We're hiding it for get the Christmas yeah. presents out. Yeah, you know? yeah, Hanukkah. yeah. Hanukkah's coming up too. Yeah. So there, there yeah. is a balance. Yeah. Between, yeah. We hope that's what people like, think stead- of like that no obligation. I think that's huge of like just having nothing on the calendar to feel like you're rushing to and instead you can really enjoy or, the season. You
2: know, or, you know, we don't obviously, you know, we're not involved in any aspect of people's lives outside of La right. but it's like, we are outside of lacrosse season right now. Mm -hmm. So it's like if they have one less off season, because every sport they, every sport a kid plays now is year round. Yeah. Um, And so it's like, Hey, if we can take one off season training off the calendar, yeah, maybe that, maybe that's great, you know, or whatever. So
0: um, I don't even think we've mentioned who we have on uh, for, or not, sorry, not former. Um, Current player uh, at the Lindenwood University. Yep. Um, The
2: Lions. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Former Prior Lake standout player.
0: Yeah. uh, Big time defenseman. Rocked my number one seven uh, in high school in hockey and lacrosse, just like myself. So there you go. Not a big deal. Anyways, uh, Brian Kahlberg coming on to join. um, Come down the alley with us. Uh, Really good. The
1: eldest, do you think?
0: Eldest of
1: the three of them. I wonder or who's he, well, older. He has a twin
0: brother. I know. I wonder who's um, older.
2: Wow, I'm not sure. Did we ask him?
0: I don't think he so. I him. wonder who's we're... older.
2: Uh, but it, good episode. Um, yeah. kind of an inside look at, you know, maybe what what he you know his perspective yeah. on a day in the life. Um, yep. at at you know at being a freshman and and going to play lacrosse and a lot um, of
0: insight on the recruiting process too. Yes.
2: Yes. Um, and, and again, everybody's process is different yep. and there's not a lot of transparency. And part of that reason is because everybody's yeah. process is very unique to sure. them. Um, but he did have some cool, I guess, thoughts and, and I appreciate him sharing his thoughts about his process. And, yep. you know, he was, he wasn't somebody that, you know, as he'll talk about, like from the day he picked up bull lacrosse stick, it was like, I want to play college lacrosse. He kind of, sort of fell into it a little bit later. Yeah. you know, um, hockey guy. And, Minnesota, uh, and, and so, you know? um, I think that it, it was a good insight into, you know, somebody who wasn't like, this is my path from day one. And, and maybe just kind of started, I don't want to say late in the game, but, um, you know, felt like maybe he had an opportunity later on in his career and was like able to, to navigate through that. So. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I w- we'll shoot it over to him. Uh, thank you, Brian, for coming down the alley with us. And, uh, yeah, we'll shoot it over there now. And welcome to Down the Alley. Uh, this is PMAC with with the crew, and we have a special guest today uh, from Pryor Lake, currently at Lindenwood, rocked my number 1717, two-sport captain in hockey and lacrosse, just like myself, not a big deal. Welcome to Down the Alley, Brian Kulberg.
3: Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming in. Um, I you just rolled in from be, you know back from school, right?
3: Yesterday. Yep. I got home. Yep, Saturday. Sa- Saturday. Saturday. Nice, nice. nice.
0: Um, so, how has first semester been? Um, have you gotten in a fight with your parents yet since being back home, or
1: um,
3: have you said I miss you? Um, I definitely said I miss you. I oh, haven't got no fights yet. Of course, we'll okay. probably get to that point by the time I'm ready to leave.
1: <laughs> have you asked for money? Uh, not yet. Oh, okay. That's good. Too. You're going to end asked.
3: with that or what? No.
1: I, <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to get something before he goes back home. Oh. It's
3: just a collective family joke that, oh, everyone calls me poor and I always need money.
1: Oh, it yeah. is? I guess so. Mm. We didn't
0: know that about yeah, you, actually. No. So yeah. She's fishing for stuff.
1: Yeah, now I, want, I want the inside scoop.
0: So how has first semester gone so far?
3: It's of really good for me. The transition, I think, was good. Being away from my family, I think I, I really like it. It's kind of like living on my own. Um, transition for classes, I haven't noticed much anything different, but I haven't taken some classes where my friends are like, oh, this is the worst class i ever had, yeah. so I'm not. So you're taking the easy load to start off. Yeah, and I didn't get to choose that, so shout out to my student advisor. Oh, She's a real the... one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the real winner here is
1: What are you majoring
2: in?
3: Business <laughs> administration with emphasis on sports marketing.
2: Awesome.
1: Oh, nice. nice.
2: That's cool. Yeah, nice. that is cool.
0: Um. Cool. Uh. I got one thing before we kind of bring it back. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been you know asking around, you know, trying to get some you know inside chirps, and you know we'll get through the list, but, um, kind of the first one that that came to mind was uh on Brunswald's wall. He's got a picture of you getting walked by him before he snipes one top cheese on now Um, do you have any you know any rebuttal on that?
3: um i just gotta say that he will never let me forget that one because he (laughs) always brings it up (laughs) um so yeah shout out to him for that and I can't really get back at him now because he's my teammate. So maybe I can just yard sale him and practice and we'll call it even. You
0: know, what, what happened on that play? You know, it, it doesn't look Wait, pretty. It d- no. Middle
1: Brunsvold.
0: No, the youngest. Little, the, the youngest. Oh, it's on his dorm. He it cra- goes
1: to Lindenwood too? Yeah, correct. Uh, it, it's a family yeah.
0: thing. Yeah. It, it oh. must be like a mafia, you know, yeah, Long Island deal. Long with island my, I'm, not, I'm not sure what's yeah, going on there. It's, it's kind of weird, but you could just show him your ring. <laughs> Rings, yeah. Could show him your ring. You know, but what happened on that play? It doesn't look pretty uh, by by the sounds of it.
3: Um, So we were actually man up on this play, and Bennett Holst was guarding him, and I, I was going to X because we knew that's the one player we wanted to stop. Him and DeFrancesco were the players that we wanted to stop. So yeah. I, I went to X and cut off Bennett, and then he switched back directions, and I ran into Bennett and made myself look like a fool. All right. No.
0: All right.
1: That was rare that you did that. Yeah, shoot. He's a good player.
0: So, Uh, who bronze? Both, but bronze. Yeah, both, but bronze. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Cool. So, um, I guess we'll bring it back. Kind of the start of you know when you started playing. um, You know, being from Minnesota, um, you know, how how did you how did you start in the game? How do you get introduced to the sport?
3: Um, I really started in third grade. Uh. It was mostly my parents were just like, you're not playing baseball anymore. Like, we're tired of this. Yeah, we're sick of watching (laughs) you play. Were you brutal? Like, you do not have the ball? I don't know what it was. was
1: I can hear them saying that to, like, a third grader, (laughs) too. Like, a very matter-of-fact, you're done playing baseball. (laughs) Yeah.
3: And then I I don't remember how I got into lacrosse, but I know I just remember picking up a stick and I had the good old red STX starter from Dick's Sporting Goods. and gross. The rest is history. Did
0: you, did you pick the red one or the blue one? Because there's uh, red and blue back then, right? Yeah, it was the good old red and disgusting. blue. Oh, yeah. Um
3: yeah. I believe Matthew, my younger brother, had the blue. From
2: watching you play, do you have the record at Prior Lake for most picked-off passes?
3: We call those nuggets. Oh, yeah, nuggets. I would like to, like to self-proclaim myself as the nugget king for, of Prior Lake, but uh, there's no real stat for that. They just put it in the forced turnovers or cost yeah. turnovers. So okay.
2: Um, it's funny because back when I was playing, there was a kid that I played with that he was just. There's always one guy on every team that's just the deep hole that can pick passes off. And yeah. I remember listening to Dom Starz to talk about having your sticks up in passing lanes when you're playing defense off ball. Mm-hmm. And he's like, picking off passes is an art form, but knocking them down is a science. So it's like. He's like, you might not be the guy that can pick him off, but he's yeah. like, just put it there, and the attackman will try to throw the skip, and at a minimum, you'll get a piece of it, and it will cause a problem. But then there's there's always a guy though that just can snag him. It just goes. You have like a tape in your stick or something like that. It just goes in there every time.
0: One of the questions from your uh, one of your former teammates is, you know, what how how did you get so lucky picking off all those passes? Did you um, have a strategy or, or were they just throwing them up for you?
3: Part of it is you know it's kind of a calculated risk because you know that you're going for the pass instead of taking the man or the body that you're assuming that he's going to either pass across his body, especially I, a fast breaks a lot, I remember, or you know it's coming across the top and you got your stick in the lane and it's just lucky. But it's definitely not lucky for ever, whatever teammate that it might be. Yeah. Um, I've just always. Wanted to go for the gamble, got, want the cause turnover, and yeah. it's always exciting.
0: Is that kind of your signature move, or, or what? what's your self-proclaimed signature move?
3: Um, it's definitely picking off passes. Like, for me, I l- love causing turnovers, and I've even since I was young, one of my youth hockey coaches called me the gambler because I was always pinching at the blue line and wanting to make turnovers. So were you on Luke's
0: team, my, my brother's team, right off the bat? Like, I remember you guys always playing together, but were you guys since day one?
3: I honestly don't remember. I remember, uh, my, at that time, it would have been 3-4. Yeah. Like, it would have been called 3-4-B, 3-4-A. And I remember playing on 3-4-A my first year. Mm. And I honestly can't remember if Luke was on the team or not so long ago. And, yeah. So.
0: So, when, by, by the time you guys were fifth, sixth, you guys were on the same team with yeah. with, you know, that staff of. Widerhoft, um you know, Plato was coaching.
3: Yeah, Scott was coaching. Clevin
0: hopped on at board at one
3: point. Yep, um, that was right before coach. We had coach Yuzlik. Yeah, Yuzlik,
0: then... who since we talked to Luke was inducted in the Duluth Hall of Fame. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. yeah, congrats to him.
0: Um, so any you know from the from the youth days, any any stories, any you know, some of the, your favorite memories from from those days?
3: Um, I just remember Wayne Wiederholt. After one of my games uh, of 3-4, said, have you ever tried using a long stick? And, of course, my third grade, fourth grade self was like, it's longer than everyone else's stick. Of course I want to use it. Like, yeah. And that's when I picked up a deep and Okay. It, the rest was history from there. And I just remember all the tournaments we went to, you know, all the fun on the field, but also off the field, you know, yeah. going to look at other vendors for sticks, stuff, and mesh, and year and then, always the fastest shot. Who goes the fastest shot together? Did you ever
0: win that? Do you have a fast shot?
3: No, definitely not a fast shot. Accurate for sure, though.
0: Okay, you score. Did you score some goals in high school, or were you uh, more stay at home?
3: Mostly stay at home. I had three in my senior year, but not a big deal. No.
0: From, from half, were you, you one of the half field guys when teams would try to no that menu, was or? That was Thomas
3: Newhart. Yeah, actually. I remember Thomas He'd two against a like two in one game against Lakeville North. Jeez. Yeah, so.
2: Yeah, you know. A lot of times, when again being in the club business, people ask, you know, how do how do I get recruited? How do I, you know, stand out as a defenseman? I think conventional wisdom is like big, strong, locked down defender, but sure, man, it the ones that are unique, are D-Poles with a good pair of mitts, yeah, like the guys that can pick up a GB, get through traffic, make a move on a guy, you know, retransition, um, man, that it's it just it's such an, an asset in the back end to be able to just, I mean, again, I've only seen a a little bit of of you play, but it just seemed like you're always around the ball and like they could just get it to you and you could lead that, that transition. And this was your senior year. So maybe it wasn't always that way, but like, you know, did you take pride in your stick work? And like, were you jumping in shooting drills and like, like is it something that just was natural or like, did you be like, I want to have as good of a stick as the middies in the attack?
3: Um, I think part of it is, like, I just want, I always want to be better, like, always do better, like, one-up everyone else. Um, You know, still to this day, like, we have uh, individual practices for at Lindenwood right now. We have offensive-specific stuff and defense, and then defense finishes earlier, so then I go down and do the shooting drills with the offense right now. Um, That's the one thing I, you know, from a camps I've been to, and I was at a showcase with... Uh, Coach Cologne from Detroit Mercy and he always said that one thing is GBs and, you know, you pick up stuff from co- other coaches too yeah. and GBs and making sure you're making good passes and just the basics are what's most important.
2: Yeah. yeah. Did you hear that, kids? Yeah. Defensive <laughs> practice finished early and instead of going home, he goes down to the O-N gets get some rips in, works on the stick skills. So a um, little nugget of info there.
0: And I don't know. I don't know if you'll have the same, you know, reaction, but, you know, I felt like I always, you know, you remind me a lot of myself. Um, you're better than me, but you remind me a lot of myself. Um, but I also also felt like a lot of those skills came from hockey. Um, do you feel like a lot of those things, um, you know, that you're really good at, do you find that maybe because of hockey, maybe not?
3: Um, for sure. I think some of them do, especially uh, um... For starters, the physicality of hockey, you know, yeah. you are you can relate it to lacrosse for sure. Is you got to stay with the body, and if you go after the puck or if you try to go for a stick, you're going to get burnt. And I think that's one thing for sure. But I do think the skills of, you know, being able to goose the ball to yourself and yeah. put it around people, especially with hockey and stick handling, that's related as well. Um I for sure think that I you remind me or I remind you of yourself because I love the intensity that you'd bring to practice and you know the yelling and the fired ups <laughs> So I just it's nice. gets everyone I've never going. Never heard that before.
1: It's a nice
3: moment. <laughs> it gets you going. You coaches proud of you when you're making a big play and you're eating up the eating up the offense. Love to see it.
0: Yeah, I remember in captains, the defense especially your what the last two senior years. So,
3: junior, yeah. Junior
0: senior year. Um, captains I'd be working with you guys a lot and we rarely got scored on nonetheless get beat
3: yeah and part of that's it's in the early season I will admit it's a lot easier to play defense than it is offense without the systems and you know offense by the end of the year starts catching up and they're like oh look at us now and (laughs) it's good to see though because then you know they're improving as well
0: yeah yeah for sure for sure Um, how was that uh, adjustment from youth to high school you know what do you play your freshman year
3: um, freshman year, I played mostly JV. Um, I did play a little bit of varsity here and there when it was a mostly hype squad though, which is a big part of the team actually. Huge part of the team. Um, uh, we mostly... talked
0: about that with Casey, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, those bench guys, you guys are bringing the energy.
3: Um, you know, if that's young guys or, or even seniors, it all comes full circle, you know, eventually someone's going to do it for you. So make sure you're doing it when you're freshman, sophomore and not Love playing.
0: Love that. Love that attitude. Mm-hmm. That's good.
3: And I think biggest transition from youth to high school is definitely like knowledge of the game and being and like, especially from high school to college systems haven't changed, tra- hasn't changed much. You just need to know what to do and when to do it. And that's why watching lacrosse has been so important and watching film, not even just myself of other teams and other games is so important to learn the game better.
0: Uh, we we've talked a little bit about film might've been on a rant or an episode or something. Um, you know, I, I like to touch more on this. How do you watch film? What kind of film do you watch? Um, you know, not as a fan, but when you're trying to learn the game better, which it sounds like that's how you use film, you know, what, what are you doing to take those steps?
3: Yeah, for sure. Um, Even as a fan, you just watch the game, uh, the college games on TV, and you just pause it and look where the defense, where it's like even the off ball stuff, just simple stuff like that. But a lot of it's been huddle and crossover, especially. And, you know, even in college now, we have practice films so you can see what you're doing wrong in practice so that you're not making the same mistake in Mm -hmm. games. So it's definitely just making sure you can hold yourself accountable for the mistakes you make and being willing to adapt and change.
0: Are they filming practice every single day at Lindenwood?
3: For the most part, when we're not doing individual stuff or offense specific or defense specific, yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Nice. Are you required to watch them? Or do you like sit down? Or are they like just available for you guys to look at? They're they available encouraged? for you to
3: look at, but I'm, yeah. you shouldn't, I personally think you should yeah. be watching You're it. a big
1: fan of that, PMAC, is like watching yourself on film.
3: Yeah. That, You've
1: mentioned I, that.
3: Uh, in
0: college, we did a lot of that. They They film practice 99% of the time. Um, so we would actually have, I don't don't know how they do it at Lindenwood, but we would have film sessions a couple days a week where we watch clips from practice, especially during like fall ball.
3: Yeah. So Mm. fall ball so far, since it's over, we were doing film once or twice a week. Yeah. Um, I think important watching yourself is also watching other people's film, not just skipping to yourself because you can learn so much from other people's mistakes as well. Yeah, for sure and like that's how you learn is one of those hype squad players on the bench that's how, watching other people mess up or succeed on the field and you making sure that you don't do the same thing or you do the same thing
2: yeah you know it's it's funny cuz in in high school mo, most if not all teams aren't going to film practice just because of resources but in yeah. college it's fairly common at least at division 2 and division 1 um watching your Like, filming practice and then being able to study your practice film, the um, efficiency of that, of, like, you got to see yourself do it 20 times. Like, if you're running six on six or something, like, it's just, you're not, like, you know, in a game, there's a lot of other elements besides, like, just offense and defense. There's stoppages and there's different things. And, like, in a game, too, like, the mistake that you made you don't know, it's not necessarily just a mistake. Like you could have been in a position where you had to do something out of the ordinary to try to make a play. Like, Oh, I, I normally wouldn't press out in space that much, but you know, I, I saw an opportunity. I took a calculated risk. Whereas in practice you're probably a little bit more like running it the, like the normal way. So then you can really evaluate, like, is my footwork good enough here? Like in a game, you might go for that takeaway check because you need the ball back you yeah. know what i mean yeah. so like yeah in practice you're seeing it a little bit more in a clear lens versus a game there's so many factors of game flow game script situation um you know whatever that and, and especially reps too
3: yeah i f- i definitely agree you know one thing too is you see in practice you can see if you look deep how do i Go up against faster players. Am I be better against faster players, or am I be better against bigger, stronger, slower players? Like mm-hmm. it's just simple things like that. And regardless if, if your footwork's good or not, it's lear- good to learn your weaknesses before you learn your strengths. Absolutely. Yeah. Because then you need to know what you're doing wrong and what you need to either hide from attackmen, opposing players, or improve on yeah. in practice to be better. And I
2: would say too that like within your team, like or within your opponent, you can kind of find a like the guy you're going to be covering for the next game you play there's not probably somebody on your team that's similar or plays similar there's obviously the one or two legendary players yeah. that are unlike anybody else you know the lyle thompson's and the powell's and you know tohokas and kind of things like that where you're like you can't prepare for this it's a lamar jackson yeah video. like how, how how do you script lamar jackson yeah you yeah. know and it's so like that that but that's probably more rare but like you said, like you can go, hey, I'm covering I'm gonna be matched up against this guy you know coming up. Oh I can evaluate when I cover so and so at practice they're very similar and figure out how you want to play that individually as a matchup versus like the team defense.
3: yeah, for sure. And then the fact that you got to be able to trust your teammates and you do do screw up in those systems because you're not gonna yeah. stop the attackman or the midfielder every time that you have to trust your teammates that they're gonna be there having your back to do the right thing.
2: Do you normally watch film by yourself, or 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 with like? Do you ever watch film like with your other two D counter, like your three poles, like, hey, or, or or your starting six versus like full team and individual, like somewhere in the middle?
3: Um, not really. Most of the time, it's I'll watch in my dorm room, and I'll have I'm I'm rooming with our one of our goalies, so I talk to him through stuff a lot, like hey, how do you feel about this, or how do you feel about someone being extra aggressive here, a coma slide out, or how do they feel about oh, yeah. it? It's a lot of that. And then, obviously, we have the team sessions, so we do talk about a lot about that. And most of the time in practice, as soon as we get scored on it's automatic, Is like you see in the college games, six helmets even on defense where they just huddle up and talk through yeah. what went wrong just so that you know what went wrong and you can try to stop it for next time.
2: Yeah, for sure. Would you consider yourself – an aggressive press out, try to take the ball away. Defenseman or more of a, a cerebral kind of stay at home. Just you know, if, if I can just kind of do my job and and just defer, and you know, it's a win for me if my guy passes the ball the adjacent next guy.
3: oh um, I say I'm definitely more of an aggressive, yeah. and I can definitely see the difference, especially at with Like you have players who are they're not turnover machines, but they get the job done. Yeah. They don't get beat and they that's it they just don't get beat they don't cause turnovers but they get their job done yeah. they do a good job of it yeah. um, we, like to, we like
2: to say it, it, the guy's not going to win a game for you but he's not going to lose a game yeah for, you. for
3: sure and then I also think the super aggressive part was definitely infused in me in high school because you have uh formerly Chris Fleck on the sidelines always, always yelling press out press out yeah um I just think since you I've been doing it forever. Like it's just easier for me. And I know that I can trust my teammates if I get beat so far out that it's easier for them
0: going from, you know, freshman to, you know, as you get out of that freshman year, sophomore, junior, senior, um, what other steps did you take to get on that field and, and become
3: a better player? And, you know, what were your weaknesses early on? Um, a lot of things I especially do is, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking the coach, Hey, what am I, what do I need to do to crack the starting lineup or, what do I need to do to improve to have a chance to play? And I think that helped me a lot, especially in hockey with the coach, Coach Pancras, because every summer I would say, hey, it's the middle of the summer. What do I need to do to become a better hockey player for next winter? Yeah. And I think because uh, 99% of coaches are going to be, be clear with you and just tell you what, the, what you need to do to be a better player. Yeah. And I think that helps a lot, especially in just showing with your efforts and your attitude that you want to be there and work hard. And regardless if you do great in practice or not, that you're going to give a hundred percent, I think also helps a lot. Uh, but one thing that I definitely, my, one of my weaknesses was my speed. I was not the fastest deep pull out there. And that was one thing that I learned, especially from other teammates like Preston Jeller and Max Valick, who had were really fast players and just
0: freak athletes yeah, too.
3: learn how to learn how to play to my strengths and get my weaknesses better, obviously in practice time and off field time, basically just learning, learning from all your mistakes that you can make and improving. Yeah, for sure. Um,
0: sophomore year, um, you know, going from freshman to sophomore year, sophomore year, um, you know, how much more playing time were you getting at this point?
3: Um, sophomore year, I started, I think nine games or so. Um, so I was battling that three fours third deep hole, fourth deep hole spot. Uh, I played a lot more.
0: Who were you battling with that at that point? So Jelly yeah, Jelly Valick. Jellin
3: was hurt oh, for God. almost the whole year. So then it was Valak and Nick Benz.
0: Oh, Ben. And okay, then it was yeah.
3: me and Connor Hykus were battling for a spot.
0: Okay. So so some seniors at that point. Yeah.
3: And coach said, Hey, these guys are seniors. I can't put them on JV, but I can put you on JV. You have the choice of: Do you want to go play t- ton of time on JV, or do you want to battle it out? And I, not going to. I I just said, coach, I'm going to give it my all and battle it out for a spot. Like yeah. I don't want to play JV. Not that it's a bad thing, but
0: right. You, you're looking to make that that jump. Yeah. Um, I know you're a big hockey player. Um, was that your number one sport going through high school?
3: Um. Well. For a little bit, probably freshman year, I was like, every hockey player, especially growing up in Minnesota, always wants to be like, oh, I want to go play D1. I want to go play in the NHL. Yeah, it's a dream. And I quickly realized when I uh, made JV my junior year at high school, I was kind of like, okay. But I was a a lot better at lacrosse than I was at hockey. Yeah. So, I mean, I kind of started, when I started playing club team, I started branching out more and I was like, I I really want to do this. And I think... Playing osbies and lacrosse was a big help in that. So yeah, let's dive into that then. What what was that experience like? Where did you
0: get to travel to? And uh, yeah, let's let's dive into that.
3: Um, I traveled to out east probably I think nine times. I think uh, I f- went to New York probably six. I went to Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and then I was in Maryland for one. And just it was so nice because it's so much. Different than like AAA hockey. AAA hockey, you play two local tournaments, you go up to Duluth, you call it a year. Yeah. And there was no such recruiting in those things. And you get to high school and you're playing out, out east with your club team and you're doing your best to get looked at, but you're also trying to win games. And it's so cool going out east to like, because hockey is a hotbed for Minnesota, but right. out east is a hotbed for lacrosse. So it's so different and it's cool. It was so cool like just being out there, seeing all the game, just being in the atmosphere of a true like summer tournaments and I, I loved it, and it's a great experience too. Um,
0: what was <clears throat> like? Can you help describe? You know, maybe to some younger players who are coming up. You know, what what what's the level of play when you're going to some of these events compared uh, to Minnesota?
3: Yeah, so these. I'm going to tell you now that most of these kids have probably been playing for three or four more years than mm-hmm. you. They have three or four more 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 years of experience than you, and they've also been playing for four months together more than you because with the rules out east, I know that they're allowed to practice together all winter and all summer and all spring, Yeah. even when high school's going. So mm-hmm. the th- one thing about Minnesota and the Minnesota State High School League is they don't allow you to practice with your club team until you're done with your high school season. So right, right. There, y- you have... I know for before my first tournament every year we'd have four practices to get all our chemistry down for a tournament out east. Yeah, and those players had been had their chemistry down for a month and a half, two months now. Yeah, so there's the speed is so much higher, and they know. I feel like the knowledge, or the IQ is known earlier before in or younger when they they learn younger.
2: Yeah, can I touch on that for a little bit? Yes, I, I remember eight years ago when I started the whole coaching in the club world and a lot of the tournaments that the team that I was coaching, uh, we would do kind of Midwest tournaments cause it was still a youth team, but we did go to a national tournament. And the first time I ever saw like an out East, like a long Island team play, they were 13 and I like, they were one of the better teams. So I guess the ranges, but they were called the tenacious turtles. And, um, <clears throat> they, that, that specific class was the 2017 class. And like, though, a lot of those guys are starting for D1 programs yeah. now. But, so, like, that might have been, like, a a high standard outlier, to see for yeah, the first yeah. time. But these guys were 13. It was, like, they never dropped a pass. Hmm. Like, they were, like, they, off ball, they were moving. But one thing I remember, specifically offensively, was they were throwing no-look passes, like, skips, like, across the field. And there wouldn't even be a guy there yet. And then he, someone would just be cutting and just catch it perfect timing and it'd be like a layup every single time and so you talk about like the ability to practice and get your chemistry down and maybe they played together in other communities and stuff but i'm sure they're from multiple different areas but like these guys like the skills were there but they were just ripping no looks and they're a 12 yeah and i'm like yeah. these guys would start on high school teams yeah.
3: in minnesota yeah for sure and i that's the one thing i remember is because when my first year playing out there i i got hurt before the, a couple of games we had left in the tournament, I just remember watching on the sidelines. We were playing a team called 3D New England, and yep. we probably lost the game 17 to zero. And it's just they knew the game better than us, and they played better. They pl- played together better than us, and it's just the passing. I think it's a lot more passing, and it's a lot less physical than it is. Than yeah. Mid- I feel like Midwest across is more um, run down field, try to run yeah. through someone yeah. and then pass, dodge to score. Kind yeah, of thing. And I think Audius is definitely the stick skills. We're always. Always there. You can always guarantee there's a coach ten yards on the field yelling at, at his players too. Yeah. So one thing I always remember too is yeah. coach with his Long Island accent just yeah. yelling at his players.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean that that had to be a great training ground as a defenseman in Minnesota because like maybe that led to you being able to pick off passes because like when you're playing those that level of skill and like again like the chemistry where they, they are throwing the high like, the high-risk passes, but they're getting it through. And, um, you know, the other thing, too, like, in Minnesota, we love to carry the ball here, the power cradle down the field. Like, those out-east teams, like, it's half cradle and out, half cradle and out, and, like, yeah, a guy might dodge, but then if he moves it through X or he rolls back and hits it, like, that ball's moving three or four times to the the last guy, like, the one more. And, like, as a defenseman, like, you have to really be able to anticipate – like if you're just reacting to the next pass, you're screwed.
3: Yeah, and for sure I also agree with that. And when you say stick handling or stick control as well, that probably up to this. every single deep pull you play can will run through a stick check. Like deep pulls out there have just as good as hands here, made it feel like as yeah. out there. They're, yeah, it's ridiculous how how well they're trained. And uh, I think Minnesota's catching up, which is just good to see. Yeah,
2: for sure.
0: Yeah, I think I think I think we're heading the right direction. Um, you know, getting players involved earlier um, and, you know, I think exposing them to higher level, you know, levels of competition in the summers um, and even in the fall and winter.
2: Yeah, for sure.
1: You touched on the experience out there. We kind of were just talking about that um, earlier of just kind of why you'd want to play club lacrosse. Obviously you wanted to get recruited and that was like your ultimate goal, but what were some of those experiential pieces that you look back on? I mean, you played club lacrosse, it sounds like for a good number of years that what are those things that stuck out in your mind, other than just the fact that you got you know seen or went to high-profile tournaments?
3: Um, I think part of it's just you go, you stay in a hotel with your friends, you're yeah. having fun. I just remember JFK Airport being there till <laughs> midnight because <laughs> runway traffic.
1: Oh, yeah. And um, construction.
3: Yep. Uh, I just, no
1: air conditioning. Yep, JFK and then you, is always out of air conditioning. Yep,
3: and then you're at the field and it's hot all day mm-hmm. and you have to change your socks because otherwise your feet are disgusting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, just the atmosphere is so cool out there and it is so hot and you just go there and you know you're doing one thing that you're there to play lacrosse and you're, you're there to have fun. Right,
1: right. Um. Also, you mentioned too of just kind of like Building that chemistry on your team and stuff, and that's something you guys talked about with Luke, about training with the same guys in the offseason versus new guys on a club team, and how that can kind of build up the team, and speak from your experience about being on how many state tournament teams? All four?
0: Uh, well, state tournament teams, you're on three. State three. You're on yeah. three yep. and
1: one, two. Yep. Right. I don't want to get that stat wrong because you guys are all really picky about how many tournaments you've won <laughs> we, we and worked, how many years. We worked,
0: hard. Yeah. Know, we worked hard. I know. I know. A lot of people put a lot of time. I'm into
1: sure it. you did. What? So I don't want to bring up bad blood here, but the year you didn't win. Which, wanna, was,
0: which was his sophomore year. Thanks okay. for bringing that okay. up. Okay. <laughs>
1: what are some of those things that? the other years might have felt differently, or maybe that year, what, you know, was it just a fluke of things that you just lost, or what was that piece that got you to that final game and and to win it? Because we talk about a lot in sports that there's special magic that has to come in those state tournament teams or in-state champion teams, too, that it's like, yeah, you pass well, you guys have a good offense, you have a good defense, but at the same time, there has to be some other like thing unspoken, unwritten that nobody else really knows unless you're playing on that team. Don't give too much away. Oh, I won't. Like if it's like some <laughs> special team underwear or something that like <laughs> nobody else knows about, but it, like what are some of the things that you look back on of like, wow, that really was that one thing that that brought us to that final, that final moment to win?
3: Um personally, a lot of it is not being like undefeated, like it's. I feel like it really helps because you know mm-hmm. that you learn from your experience. Yeah, and learn so from just your like failures. going
1: through some of those adversity yeah. in the games in the season. That's and good. personally,
3: on like the my junior and senior years, like I didn't really have a doubt that we were gonna oh, end sure. up losing. Like it just never crossed my mind that we were gonna lose this game or anything. Especially in playoffs, like I just never had like doubted our team, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, sophomore year. I think it was tough, especially losing to Mon when I mean, we were up one with a minute left.
1: Yeah. I didn't want to bring it up, but, like, it sounds tough. It's a good
3: talking yeah, point. Yeah, so. but yeah. it's...
1: There has to be something that it was, like, that, like I said, that unspoken thing.
3: Yeah.
0: Did that loss fuel the yeah. next two years? I,
3: I don't know. Um. Yeah, it does, because you're, like, you're so close, and, like... Right. You just limit your mistakes. Like, mm. if you didn't do this thing, that would have led to this goal, and it just limiting the turnovers and making sure that everyone's on the same page and doing the same thing and everyone's bought into the system because right. if you're everyone's playing the system look at the Patriots system yeah,
0: yeah. they they plug and play
3: yeah.
2: yeah and and obviously in 2017 your sophomore year well, it was your sophomore year like you're coming off a state championship and maybe you weren't you know if you were a JV player maybe you weren't necessarily like up on the field right. that year but like the program, yeah. the program had won a state championship. Yeah. So, like, you want to like, you know, continue go that keep, and... continue that, and and so. But something that I've always said too, like, it takes so many factors to win a yes. championship. Like, yeah. like you said, you were up one with a minute left, a bounce of the ball, a call, a, a you know, step on the chalk, you know, step on the sideline, turnover, you know, ricochet off a of deep hole. Like, there's a million, yeah. like, and and in the you know. That in 2018, when you won it, like, um, everything goes w- right. Wiederhoff yep, making yep. that save on, on his butt, you know, the obvious, safe like, turn the game around. And, yeah. and, like, you know, uh, what are the odds that, that he makes that any other time? Like, yeah. you know, there's just so many bounces to there win are. a championship. Like, the eight teams that make it to the state tournament, or six of the eight that make it to the state tournament, and then maybe two section final losers that are up there, any of those teams could win a championship on any given day. Um, but like you said, there's just, there's a turnover here, a bounce there. And, yeah. and it's just how it goes.
3: And with both those state championships, once you kind of just like, when you're playing in the game, you kind of just feel it like, yeah, like we got this. Like, yeah. I, I know for sure. I remember when we were playing YZ on this, in the state quarterfinals and we were up seven zero. And I was like, I like, I, you just think like, we got this, like, yeah. I can't see people beating us. Like as long as we play our game.
1: Did the two, two state championship games feel the same in that in that sense?
3: Um, my junior year, I was a lot more nervous mm. because I just I was less experienced. Yeah. I hadn't been, yeah. had been in a state championship game for high school. And,
0: and you guys were down.
3: Yeah. You guys were, like,
0: mm. not playing
3: well. Yeah. We were down, especially because I know we came out strong, and then we had a very poor third, second and third quarters where we ended up going down one. And the rest, we just, fourth quarter, we figured out how to, a way to win. And I've looked at the stats tons of times for both those games, and we had more turnovers than them both times. It's
1: Interesting.
3: Faceoffs were, shout out to Joey Bernard for faceoffs yeah, he this he went year. 50-50 this 50-50 year. 50-50 against a Division One player, so. Wow.
0: Yeah, he killed it. Oh, yeah. Um, this year, I felt way more comfortable in the boys' game than the girls' game. And your game was closer. Like, I, I, I was scared for the EP yeah. like EP girls' offense because they were so explosive. Yeah. Like, I was like, oh, there could be a minute left, and they're down by three, but they, they could still come yeah. back. Yeah, like, I, I like, totally you, agree like, with you. Like, you guys were up by maybe only one, one or two, and I was like, they're not going to get scored on. Like, they, yeah. maybe they won't score 10 goals. Yeah. But they're not going to get scored on more than four times. It's just not going to happen.
1: Isn't that funny? And, like, I watched you guys way more this year than I did last year. And you really did, as a team, like, as a collective unit, have sort of a confidence of, like, you guys weren't worried. We might have been worried. But, like, there definitely was times where you could just see the energy on the field. And you all had the same energy. Everything was going through the, the same thing was going through all of your minds of, like, we are not losing, and we are not scored on. How do you manage that, like, personally? Like, how are you personally holding yourself accountable? But then would you guys have conversations about that? Like I said, don't give too much away, but, like, as a team, how did you manage to, like, be on the same page, or was it because you guys are buddies? Or and not that you've get been too playing? high or low. Yeah, yeah. Um, and stay together.
3: I think part of it's just being there before your experience. So you know, like how to handle it, the situation. I think just the stuff that we did and the off-field training of stuff of just staying positive and making sure that, you know, we got this. Like, even if we get scored on, it's like, hey, everyone, like, we're good. Let's move on to the next play. Stay positive. We're going to be fine. And just, I think, really staying positive and the stuff we learned with one of our mental trainers about learn, burn, and return. Like, you know what you did wrong. Forget about it. Move on to the next play. Yep. Cool. Um,
0: Let's jump to your recruiting process. Um, You know, I I know when you're going through it, um, you you visited Detroit Mercy. So Mm -hmm. your parents were kind of asking me about, you know, what I know about them and, like, other schools. And so I kind of heard glimpses of it, but I've never actually talked to you about your recruiting process. So if you want to touch on that, like, you know, everyone's is different. So, you know, what what was yours like?
1: What was, like, your top school? Like, I'm going to go there. And maybe you ended
3: up there, maybe you didn't. Um, at the start of my recruiting process, I personally didn't really know like where mm-hmm. I sat, where I if, if sure. I was like, do I do I think I'm a Division one athlete? Am I a Division two, II, Division three? So like, at first, I really didn't know until I had coaches help me out and talk me through it. Like, even before I like started the process, I had club coaches who like had sit down inter- meetings with me and a couple other players who were interested in recruiting, and he would talk to us through about this is what you need to to like provide to coaches if you're interested in a school you need to send them a letter with this information uh-huh. and show them like show that you want are interested in going to school can especially with the new rule now you can't talk to them till september first year junior year so it's sending that email and saying hey is there are you like is there events that i can you can come watch me play at i'm going to these events over the summer could you come watch me by any chance and especially with a lot of those big tournaments now i know like the flg tournaments they'll have a college coaches list that you can look at and if the coach that you wants on there just send them an email saying hey i'm interested in coming to i'm interested in coming to your school not just the lacrosse team you're interested Mm -hmm. in the school too that's a big part of it and i was hoping you could come watch me play at these games and hopefully they get back to you and let you know if they would willing to do that
0: so would you send this or would you recommend someone you know before their junior year so like if if they can't respond or, or are you saying that you know try to do this um after september first year junior year
3: i think that before september first year junior year you should think about what you want to do in college what your major wants to be and think about if and provide a college a list of colleges that you'd like to go to school and play a sport at because. Yeah. You want to love the school as well. Like if you're not enjoying school, if you're, or if you're the school's not known for the major you want, it's like if you're right. learning in a poor program, and you're just there for the lacrosse, you probably you might not enjoy it as much as you would if you, mm-hmm. you're at a school that your school the education is good.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, I mean, like you know, some like, you know kind of a rule of thumb that we hear, you know, we say it here, but it's probably I'm sure a lot of clubs or advisors say is like. If, if lacrosse ended would you still want to go to school there would you want to go here without lacrosse and that's a you know again we we like hearing it from from the athletes yeah. themselves to say like the academic and even the social aspect of your decision factor just as much if not more than where you're going to play lacrosse or what level you're going to play lacrosse at
3: yeah I, for sure and I think talking to your high school coach you know especially if their coach has connections with colleges especially talk to them and say hey where do you see me possibly going for schools do you think I could play at this level or this level and sometimes it might not be the thing that you, you want to hear but your your coach has been around been around the corner a few times and they know what they're yeah. talking about so just trusting them and listening to them like and because they know the other side of it too they know the coaches want players so they yeah. need so they're trying to help out both parties, really. Yeah. So, I think talking to coaches and compiling a list of what you like about the school and if you're a good match for the team. Because I know for sure, one of the things they told me is, "Do you are you similar to a lot of the similar to those players in the position you play on those teams?" Mm. And first thing I did, I looked up Denver and every single deep hole on that team's six three, two hundred twenty five pounds, <laughs> and is an absolute
1: yeah.
3: beef stick, like yeah. <laughs>
1: You didn't so, feel like you fit in there, no. Oh, and okay. so, <laughs> my
3: talent level didn't either. But mm. uh, just no, just asking questions is the most important thing you can do, especially when you're before September one, and you can't those you can t- contact those coaches, but they can't respond to you. Right. is important. So I think there's nothing wrong, and this happened to me with emailing a coach and telling him your information and telling him you're interested in school, and him telling you no. It's happened to me like. You don't know if they're interested in you until you ask. Correct. So, just right. branching out, yeah. regardless. Because I, I, I talked to Division one, I, I talked to Division two, I talked to Division three schools, because you don't know what the best fit's going to be for you.
1: Right.
0: How much did grades factor in? Because um, that's kind of the third piece. Like, oh, am I interested in this school based on the location and the reputation of the school? Do they have my major? Um, am I a lacrosse fit? Um, you know, can I play lacrosse there? I want to play lacrosse there. And then the third is like, okay, can I get into the school? You know, how much did that factor in? And what was your experience with, you know, GPA test scores and all, and all of that?
3: For sure. And GPA and test scores are a really big deal because you could be good enough to go play for that program. But if you don't have the grades, they're going to take a player who's not as, might not be as skilled as you but has good enough grades so they're not worried about you not being ineligible to play or not being able to go out to the team trips because you're in the classroom because you have to retake stuff or are too busy because you're not putting school first. So I think GPA and especially the ACT, SAT, regardless of which one you take, are super important for you to make sure you are doing well And
0: Once you get it kind of narrowed down, did you go on a bunch of visits? You know how you know how, how how did you narrow it down to a few, and then how did you get to Linenwood?
3: Um, for starters, you ha- you have your original list, and then you have coaches that emails you back or showed interest in you. So then you limited your list to that, and then you look at schools. Do you like the school or not? And if you don't like the school, then you, I feel like you limit you. Most of the people, their list gets smaller then. Yeah, and then it's either how much. It's how much you want, like the school and the program and how much it's really based on what you want. Your parents could say, we don't want you going here, but if just do what you really want. And, you know, it might be more expensive because there's there's schools that are really expensive and they might want you. So, and it could be far away as well. So I think doing what you want is, I think would be best for you as well, especially because some of the schools are probably not going to be the school you would go to if you're not playing lacrosse. Right. But it's also very hard, I feel like, to find a school that you would go to and not play lacrosse because a lot of them are four to 12 hours away. Yeah, and sure. I think it's that's also difficult.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you touched on a little bit about having an, like an original list. And then, mm-hmm. you know, this is something we say to our players here when we talk recruiting is you have to start somewhere. So you have a list of, let's say, 10 or 20 or 50 or 500, whatever it is, and then you it's that elimination i think that you touched on it of you know do they have my major yes no okay now you've you've gotten rid of a bunch and then it's that process of elimination that really allows you to find kind of your maybe your top three or your top five that i think personally is like a reasonable amount of schools to visit i think you get five officials you know for d1 Mm um and so you know if that if you're such, if you're a five-star recruit and every school's after you then maybe you use all five of those um, for for most people they they might narrow it down to three if you're going to have to travel significant distance to visit a school yeah. i don't know some you know again resources are different for everybody yeah. but i think it's important that you know you did this and it's an interesting thing of just that elimination based on each factor yeah. and then it gets you down to like a digestible amount of Like information to like, you know, you it's easy to pick from three, Mm -hmm. not pick from forty, because then you're like, oh my god, like, whoa, like it's like, okay, I have three now, A, B, and C. Which one do I want? Yeah,
3: and I think part of it is too is I didn't mention is the size of school. Do you want a school of twenty thousand kids, or do you want a small school of three to five thousand kids? Yeah, and one thing else is location. Like, so I think those are both big parts of it as well. Um, As you said, you have to start somewhere, and your list is going to be super wide spread when you start, and knowing how much you want to spend for school, all those factors will get you down yeah. to that sh- very small list of hopefully perfect fits. Yeah, and oh, so right
2: something that we hear a lot, again, just going through the recruiting, and it's it's nice to hear from somebody who's been through it. Did you have 40 Division One schools all just ready to talk mm-hmm. to you, or did you have to put a little effort in on your own?
3: Um. I think that <laughs> maybe three sc- division one schools even emailed me for a prospect camp.
2: Okay,
0: so, so and this is coming from one of the top defensemen in our
2: great state of Minnesota. Yeah, and so this is a <laughs> knock on you. I, I'm trying to make a point here: is that you know maybe you were like, okay, division one might be something I want to do. Division two, you were you were open, but so, like again, we hear we hear the I want to play in college. I want to play division one. Yet. No email gets sent. No film gets put up together. They don't ever put themselves out there, like you said, and ask, like, you know, can I play here? And and they just expect that the, the top 25 the hook, yeah. D1 schools that <laughs> they see in the NCAA tournament every year uh, are just going to be sending them, like, invites. And, you know, it's like, this it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um. And maybe with, again, with the, the f- five-star recruits, they do that. But it's safe to say you're not a five-star recruit. Like you can yeah. just assume you're not going to be yeah. mm-hmm. like, and if you are lucky enough as a player to be one, then great. But like, you know, you, again, I'm trying to illustrate the point of like you were one of the best defensemen in the state and you still had a lot of work on your own end to reach out and say, here's who I am. I want to come here. Do you have a spot for me? And then go through your process of like, what do I want to do? What kind of last at the, the final decision, but from the lacrosse perspective, like you still had to put yourself out there and market yourself and do some work on your own.
3: Yeah, it's just it's not you just showing up to the tournament and playing like a five star recruit. And it's yeah, you have to type up the two the super long email of yep. your whole life story that you're sending to the coach of yep. all your accolades and everything you've done that would interest him. Not all of it's gonna be fun work, and that's part of the that's part yep. of it. You have to. Be willing to put in the work in all aspects and not just on the field to sh- get these coaches interested in, in you. You're selling yourself. You're mm-hmm. selling yourself as a product that you're going to help their program get better and you're going to be an impact to their program. And Some things that a lot of, I saw a lot of my teammates do, especially at terms where they had coaches there that they were interested in going to their programs is after the game, they'd walk up to them and introduce themselves. For and, sure say, thank you for coming to my game. I hope I can see you soon again. So let's stay in touch. Yeah, Stuff like that. Awesome. And I think part of it's too, is you're not going to get a phone call or a text or an email for every every day of the week from another coach. Um, I probably only had contacts with 10 to 15 programs, unless you are that five-star recruit. you're There's not going to be every single program talking to you every single day, so you need to take advantage of every single opportunity, even if that's – division 3 division 2 yeah right. nai like talk to them tell them hey thank you i'm not interested make sure because the one thing you shouldn't do is ghost never yeah, sure. never not respond because then you're giving the program a bad name or you're giving players from your city a bad name that okay you're not going to be if you're not going to even respond to me with hey coach i'm not yeah. interested in your program right for sure they are really definitely going to you're going to have the stereotype of these players yeah. are not great people
2: how when did you commit
3: I committed August 31st of last year.
2: So of your
1: senior year, yeah, yep. before school started.
3: Yeah, I had all my all of the summer stuff done, and I had all my tours done, and I sat down, and I really knew that I wanted to go to Linwood after I toured and saw the like school and the campus yeah. and the facilities because it's <laughs> I've got amazing facilities, yeah. um, and I just really knew after I went there that like that was the one I wanted to go to for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean you know, we we talk about like the timeline too. And like, you know, you did it right before your senior year. Like we have guys in our program that committed fall of their senior year. Yeah. So like there's, there's always a chance, like just, you know, if, if you go through that process and you're making connections and you're putting yourself out there, like, you know, division two and division three, there's, there's a lot of seniors committing. Like yeah. That, yeah. that's like mm-hmm. a really, usually a popular time. Cause maybe the, like, If, like, the D1 thing, they don't figure out something they like, then they kind of go down to D2, D3, um, or they visit a D2, D3, and then decide, like, yep, this is really where I want to be, like, in your case. But even, like, D1, like, if you say, like, oh, those, those spots are filling early, like, there might be somebody who commits right away September 1st as a junior, but decides to do something else, or for whatever reason, a spot opens up, and, like, you know, just because you're a senior doesn't mean you can't land at a great division two school or a division one school or whatever
3: yeah and for sure i think me especially going to high school i know i had the same mindset of i'm going to division i'm going to play division one i'm going to be one of these amazing players at mm-hmm. one of these big schools and then you quickly realize that that might have just been a dream and mm-hmm. that you need to reassess like what you can possibly do and yeah, you can. My options were you can go to a Division One program that you might not play as many minutes at, or you can go to a Division Two or a Division Three where you have the better possibility of playing more. Yeah. And I think that's a mindset that needs to be kind of broken. Of the I'm going to Division One or I don't want to play.
2: Yep, Division One or bust Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and you know I think there, there's maturity that comes with that too. When when you as a player start to like mature and say like you can look at it clearly and be like. What level I play college lacrosse it doesn't define me as a person like you felt like I want to go to a a, a school that has my program academically it's in a great part of town I've been to Lindenwood they have one of the nicest athletic facilities it, like across the board that yeah. I've ever mm-hmm. seen yeah. uh, for D two like amazing so you saw that and then now and then you were like yeah I want to I want to contribute I want to be out there playing. Yeah.
3: And not to mention, the only other thing is that it's, it's one of the closest D two programs to Minnesota. So yeah. that's the one thing that about the Midwest is some of the stuff you have to travel for. And back to the fall ball stuff about committing. Like I was one of the first players, probably middle of the pack players on my my club team that committed, and then six or seven guys after me committed. And it's fall ball's not a bad. There's still people looking for spots to fill. Like, yeah, going back to what you said is when you're you will know where you stand when you're talking to those coaches seriously if you're seriously talking to Division one coaches and they're giving you large offers then yeah you know where you stand there but if you're not in serious contact with those division one coaches then you need to figure out that this is okay so this is probably isn't the option for me yeah i could maybe slide into a squad on the back end and be there as a division one player but not play or i can figure out an option and talk to these other co- coaches that want me as a player Yeah, are willing and going out of their way to see me play
2: yeah and making you know you come in and know you can make an impact on that team and um you know and again like the level of play like people it's it's not i mean yes like division one is elite size elite speed you know the best of the best but like there's a lot of really good division two lacrosse and you know there's a lot of division two teams that could beat division one teams so like you know again it doesn't to doesn't just equal. Doesn't it, you. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't and it define doesn't you define you as, you as a person or a player. Yeah. yeah.
3: because I know for sure. Like, I follow Ty Sanders on Twitter, and I follow those accounts, and you see every other day of the week there's another Division One yeah. player entering the transfer portal, and yeah, you see quite a few of those players ending up transferring to D two schools and end yeah. up playing at D two because I know I remember one for sure that I caught my eyes that some five star recruit Division One transferred and now he's playing at the University of Tampa. Hmm. We had a, top 15 to 20 program at the division two level so yeah
0: yeah and even if you look at Linenwood uh, you know there's you there uh, Brunswald yeah all, um, yeah all three of them all three of them but specifically the one that's you that's uh your age yeah uh, another top player in the state last For year sure. um any other I, I know there's more Carter. Minnesota kids
3: Carter, Carter, Carter Collins. Collins another Minnesota yeah. guy
0: top guy of his class mm-hmm. uh other Minnesota guys that
3: are there right now um Grant Glazier out of uh, Park Cottage Grove, same with Mason Porter out of Park. Okay. Um, both of them are great players. You have Charlie Dickey from Lakeville North. You have, uh, David Byers from Lakeville South. Um, you're going to have Colin Nowitz next year. Yeah, Stud. Yeah. Um, Jake Kircher next year, too. Kercher mm-hmm. Kircher next year. Uh, who am I forgetting? I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. Sorry if we forgot you, but yeah, yeah. a
0: bunch of guys coming from top programs, top players in the state. Like, mm-hmm. and they're staying in the Midwest, playing D2. Um, and what, Lindenwood's going to be a top 10 to 15 top, program this yeah, year, you sure. think? Yeah, I definitely think so. Yeah, so, you know, that that's pretty sick. I I, I think that's pretty yeah, awesome. And
2: and it's got to feel good, like, n- going into fall ball every year, like, getting up at 5.30 in the morning to hit the weights. Like, you might have a chance to play in an NCAA tournament. Like, yeah, you're yeah. not going to be doing all this, and no, you're going to be 3-12 and 12 next year. Yeah, right. I mean, not to, like, for Hopefully the... Hopefully we're There's a lot of, like division one programs that maybe like you like you said slide onto a roster and like you're gonna be putting in a lot of work for like no chance at ever playing in a tournament versus at at lindenwood or a d2 program like you know hey there yeah you got to get the job done like it's not a it's not a guarantee but like there's a good chance that you're gonna have a shot to play in the playoffs
3: yeah and for sure, it does get it, get back to those early mornings and want to want to win and want to be succeed and want to be great. Like that's part of it. Is you need the mindset to. I know that we had, our earliest was seven thir- we had seven a.m. practices and you had to be up and ready to go. And if you don't want to be there, you're probably not playing either. That's part yeah. of it. If you're just there to play lacrosse and be part of the team, you're probably not one of the players that's playing on the field. So yeah, yeah. it really comes down to wanting it and being motivated to want it and regardless if that's division one two three or naia yeah whatever you want it doesn't matter
0: yeah i agree um before we dive deep into kind of your first fall a couple questions from you know some former teammates here um where's the uh where's the nickname cheeseburger eddie come from
3: um, that comes from Chris Fleck and Matt Denman, my freshman year Denman's of high school. Also Marco, Van Hedderenfries and Pierce Brackett. Uh, after Fleck kept calling me Calberg, and then it just, people were like, call him Cal Burger, and then people were like, <laughs> no, call him Burger, and it just escalated, just Did, like that. Just went to Cheeseburger Eddie? Yep. Um,
0: I, I, I don't know what this means, but they said, ask him about post-game meals.
3: Um, I honestly, if they mean just going out to b-dubs after a bit after a big win, I guess that's what they could mean. But other than that, I, uh big snack guy in the bus—that's for sure. Always oh, okay. Got a snack a big snack. Go. Well, oh, okay, yeah. what's
0: your go-to snack
1: on the bus? What's your of b-dubs that you get?
3: um beat flavor i go honey barbecue i'm not a big spice guy okay. and snack ranch or blue cheese nah neither just oh, straight wow, yeah. wow. do you get
1: celery sticks and carrots
3: no oh, i just crazy. give them to someone else okay
1: yeah, leave that stuff
3: <laughs> leave that stuff away from uh, the chicken wings
1: <laughs> yeah um
3: so what
1: snacks did you bring on the bus did you share your snacks
3: depends on who i'm sitting by if okay. they, and if they know i have snacks yeah, yeah, uh yeah. fruit snacks protein bar always Either a little bag of cookies most of the time. Not stay away from the chips, of course.
1: Oh, salt.
3: Yeah. Did you try to eat relatively healthy or no? In college, it's tough because in one of our lunchrooms we have Chick Fil A and keto. Oh my so, gosh! Yeah,
0: I need to um, transfer can you use, to like,
1: London. What? Like a
3: candylicious shop? Oh my, there, my gosh! It's on the meal oh,
1: plan. Oh my gosh! <laughs> oh, you guys no, need a grad that assistant. Is, like, <laughs> wow, we did not have that at St. Ben's. We had good food, but we actually man. do.
3: So,
2: oh, sign me up. Oh, <laughs> my
1: put, put in a. Gosh. Is there
2: a lot of conditioning in the fall for
3: Linden with lacrosse? You gotta yeah. work
0: off the Chick Fil A. Holy yeah.
3: smokes! Um condition once a week it's pretty tough conditioning but most of the part practice three days a week and you're lifting three days a week so you're getting yeah burn it off and if you're out of shape you're holding the whole team down because then everyone else is running more
0: do you guys have fat camp i was in fat camp for the better part of three and a half years (laughs) we have not but
3: from what i can remember i thought i'm pretty sure aaron weideroff was
1: like um, the fat kids that like they didn't cut enough weight in the con- summer. You
3: got extra conditioning if you're a certain. If you didn't body
2: meet time. the like the run test time. So
0: or, oh. so ours so at Detroit it's it's run test. So okay. I failed. Every single run test, except for one, and you didn't I, have a Chick Fil A, and either. I didn't even have Chick Fil. I think <laughs> honestly, I think Chick Fil is more healthy than the crap they were feeding us. You just don't but,
1: know portion sizes, very and well. I don't
0: know portion sizes. So fat camp, we it wasn't actually called fat I camp, know, but everybody in fat it. camp, we called it fat camp, and so I was in fat camp for a good. And that uh, was just like extra, right? like extra
2: your conditioning. Extra conditioning
0: on top of the conditioning. I, I thought I was on a track team, not a lacrosse team. <laughs> yeah. um, so, all of the, it, it, it was a gong show. It, oh my I, gosh. Don't miss Fat Camp.
1: They can use their campus dollars for Chick fil A, like their meal uh, plan. I would be 500 pounds.
3: Fall ball was, was really exciting for me, and now that it's over, I look back on it. And it was, I loved it, um, competing especially with my teammates more than you can after fall ball's over. Yeah, um, I think I'm. I think I'm gonna be somewhere down the depth chart a little bit. Yeah, I, you know, there's no defenders graduated last year, and there's only one graduating this year. So wow, a really deep at defense. Um, getting fall ball scrimmages and getting your first like collegiate playing time was a lot of fun we scrimmaged maryville which is less than half an hour away from us okay and we also scrimmaged rockhurst which was a lot of fun as well you know definitely a rival of ours that we yeah. play every year a so, lot of minnesota
2: guys in yeah. your grad class uh, always a couple that were that are on that
0: team yeah so. there's
3: i know yeah there's at least three for sure yeah, cool so
0: um nice and then like what's like you know day in the life and and, and the schedule i know you've touched on it a little bit but um, you know what? What are you are you grinding early mornings, late nights? You know, is it tough to balance? Um, you know, and and what type of stuff are you doing in practice and lifts? Um,
3: schedule it depends on how on what your coaches pick for you. But we had went during fall ball. We had practice five days a week, and it was seven o'clock on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then it was seven thirty on Tuesday, Thursday. Okay, and it'd be an hour, to hour and a half practice. A.M. or P.M. And then you'd have, you'd go cla- you'd, you have time, you'd you'd go to class, you, if you have time, you get breakfast, you go to class, you got two or three classes that day, you get a little bit of free time before you, we have lifting at four o'clock, three days a week for the Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Otherwise, we'd have conditioning on the third, on Thursdays when we didn't have lifting after, that would be right after practice. Mm-hmm. So really, you go to your classes, you go you know, practice classes, food, and then you have lifting and then you, either got your homework done yeah Either you got your homework done already you're studying you're not doing nothing you're definitely doing something all the time yeah making sure because you have to keep up on your grades otherwise you're not going to play and that would be personally for me i know that would be devastating to not be able to play because i didn't do well enough in the classroom because as much as i hate hate to say it classroom comes first and you have to be good in in the classroom to be able to play
2: yeah that's just you know part of being a spring sport too is like you know you have to get the job done in the classroom like bef- like you could go in freshman year and then not play your freshman year like yeah. maybe like i don't know how fall sports work at yeah. college but like if you're coming in freshman year for football like you can play and then if you get bad grades you'd be Ill- ineligible maybe the next year but right. like yeah. you know you do all that work in the fall and then you're out ineligible or on probation or academic probation like yeah that, you get f- that spring of your freshman year and you're like oh all that work and now i can't
3: play yeah and that's what i like about spring sport is that i have a purpose the whole year throughout the year so i have i can't slack i'm not Mm -hmm. like i have to have good grades my first semester so i'm able to play second semester and get good grades second semester Mm -hmm. yeah that's one thing about spring uh, fall sport that i wonder is if if i had a fall sport and i get good grades and play and then uh, one to the spring semester and it's just like oh i nothing happens till next semester so it's Yep. That's why I enjoy having a spring sport because then you have that motivation throughout yeah, the year. That's yeah. a
1: good attitude.
0: Nice. Um, so we close every uh, episode and interview with a question. What is your alley? Um, you know, that could be a passion. It could be, you know, what's your wheelhouse? What's your thing? Um, it could be lacrosse related. could be non-lacrosse related. Um, so, yeah, what's your alley?
3: Uh, I'm a huge sports junkie. I love watching everything and anything. My parents will tell you the same thing that I always watch sports and I love just not even just being involved in other sports but watching them and just seeing how they play and what it takes for them to be at the top at the top league and top level mm. of their playing so a huge sports junkie definitely love being outside love fishing oh yeah so hard work what do
1: you like to fish for ice um, fish? I Sp- fish I live on a
3: lake so I get the kayak out in the summer oh. go off the kayak get a little tries and buys in with that <laughs> there you go <laughs> Sunnies and crappies, and yeah. And, Hell yeah! yeah. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, cool. Love it. That's
0: cool. Yeah. Um, so I just want to thank you for coming on, coming on the podcast, sharing your story, giving us the insight on, you know, your recruiting process and you know a, a little glimpse into
3: you know the D two life. Yeah. Thank you for having me on, and I appreciate it.
2: One more time.